Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. Hey, it's good to be back. Uh, my name is Will Plunk. If I hadn't had the chance to meet you, uh, I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here, and often I get to teach, but I've been out for three weeks. Uh, I've been learning. Uh, I was doing, uh, got to take some seminary classes up in D.C., and uh, I left very, very thankful that there are people who have given their life to studying the Bible. And uh, just the chance to learn under them, both uh, professors I had left significant impressions on me. Um, and I even got the chance while I was there to worship at another church, which is always fun for a pastor. And I got to go to a multi-ethnic Presbyterian church up in D.C., and uh, they, could, they could throw down, man. He could, he, he could preach the word, and so that was fun. And it also reminded me, uh, and I, I kind of say this to our members too, how uh, difficult it can be to be uh, attending the church, a church for the first time. It just can be awkward um, in regards to where are you going to sit, what do they do? Do I stand here? Do I raise, should I raise my hand? What did they dance? You know, like, like you, <laughs> you like don't really know. And uh, so it, just remi- it was good for me. To get to have that experience, and it's a reminder how important like hospitality was. They were an incredibly hospitable bunch. So, um, but I'm excited to just be continuing our series on worship and wisdom. Where this summer we're we're looking at Psalms and Proverbs, and really looking at both as a means for all of life is worship. How does the scriptures guide us there? All of life really needs to be directed by biblical wisdom, and how do we follow God's direction there? And we're talking about friendship. Everybody say friendship. Uh, we'll pray and we'll get in. God, uh, we thank you. We do thank you that though the earth give way, you are over us and you are with us. I'm thankful for song, that we can sing and just even have our soul reminded of truth that sometimes we struggle to believe. And um, just thankful you would unite with us in musical worship. We do pray. I, I want to ask that this time of looking at your word and looking at the idea of friendship, that Holy Spirit, you would use your word and not only direct us, but to start to cultivate the soil of this family so that there are deep relationships that are knit together. And God, that we would have your vision for what friendship looks like, really a countercultural friendship. And so we ask that you would do the things that only you can do in this time. All God's people said? So I was reading some articles uh, in preparation for our time just on relationship and friendship, and I came across one that uh, just talked about the reasons why people kind of attend, typically pick a church and stay at a church. And it was saying that it's typically the type of teaching or Sunday morning experience is why, and then also relationships, that those are the two chief things, the reason why people pick a church, like the type of teaching and relationships. I'm like, that's interesting. So I went and looked at the last 30 entries from our discovery class, which is our introduction class, where there is a little place where they can say, why are you attending Grace City Church? And sure enough, out of those 30, there were only five that didn't say teaching and relationships. There was only nine that didn't talk about teaching in some way, and, and about half said relationships. Here's what I thought was interesting about that. 
Half the people said, this is why I'm attending this church is relationships. And they said that before they even had relationships here yet. It's in anticipation of relation. There's something kind of in us, I think, that knows amongst the people of God, it's supposed to meet some type of relational need. So I'm excited to talk about friendship because I think it's incredibly important. It's really friendship, really the, the reason why people kind of choose and stay at churches. But more than that, Genesis 2 is going to say it's not good for man to be alone. Why? Because there's something innate in us that desires, I believe, to connect, to have relationship. That in a perfect world without sin, we're not good without people. Friendship. You ready? Um, two questions I want you to keep in the back of your mind during this sermon. First question is this, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write it down. How are your friendships? How are your friendships? Honestly, I think it would be helpful even to put a number to it on a scale of one to ten. How are your friendships? If you're thinking about intimacy and depth and commitment, things like that, I wonder what you would say, right? How are they? I want you to think about that in this message. Here's another question, though, on the flip side. You ready? What kind of friend are you? You know what I'm saying? It's easy to think about what my friendship's like, but also think about what kind of friend are you. And, and as we just go through the Word of God and the Proverbs and get this depiction of friendship, I want you to be thinking about those two things. So I got, I got three points today, and they're alliterated, so I'm a good Baptist or Presbyterian, whoever, what you ever want to say. I'm a preacher, you know? Three Ps, all right? Picture of friendship, the purpose of of friendship and the perfect friend. The picture of friendship, the purpose of friendship, this is all from the Proverbs, and then a perfect friend. First, the picture of friendship from Proverbs 18 to 24. I want you to hear this. It says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Here's what's interesting. If you Study the Proverbs and look at that word friendship. There's two different Hebrew words that get translated as friend. One is raha, reha, and that word means kind of generic relationship. It could be neighbor or companion or friend. And there's another word translated as friend, ahav. That word could be translated lover. It's translated friend five times in the Proverbs. So there's reha, which is kind of like a generic friendship, and aha, which is a lover. This verse has both words in it. It says an unreliable, reha, generic friend. If you have unreliable, generic friends, we soon come to ruin. But there is a aha, lover friend, who sticks closer than a brother. So the first thing with the picture of friendship I want you to actually see is that it's love. It's love. So C.S. Lewis writes a book called The Four Loves, talking about the Greek word for love, and he spends an entire chapter talking about philia, which is a Greek word for friendship, but it's also a Greek word for love. And he spends a whole chapter talking about love as friendship, and he has this very interesting part where he says that if we really kind of express and talk about friendship the way that word philia is, he's, or he said one of the reasons why we don't express it that way or talk about it that way culturally 
The loving way friendship is is for fear that we would be, we would be accused as homosexual. I got you with me now? Because of how intimate it is. Because of how deep it is. Because of how committed it is. Because of how loving it is. That friendship is supposed to have this kind of interconnected love attached to it. How are your friendships? But again, there's one friend who sticks closer to her brother, but the proverb paints another picture. There's unreliable friends who soon come to ruin. That word unreliable in some translations will be translated many. So it's like some people with many friends, they're going to come to ruin. How many friends you got? How many friends you got? Who's pulling up their Facebook right now? Let me see. I got my 2,500 friends. Man, I'm crushing it. Followers, do they count? That's not mutual. I don't know if they count or not. You know, like, but I remember, so I was thinking about it, and I remember when, like, Twitter was first becoming a thing in college for me. And it's like before you know that digital friends aren't really friends, right? And my buddy, it was raining. He was getting out of class. It was pouring down rain, and he sent a tweet out that said, hey, it's raining. Will someone come pick me up? You think anybody came? Not a person. <laughs> it's because he's like, he didn't know how Twitter worked yet. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, I need some help, Facebook. People be like, I pray for you, emoji. You know what I'm saying? I got you. I, I type. I'll respond. I'm responding to that, that feed. You know, I'm with you. Got you. You know? It's, it's because, right, like, digital friends aren't, aren't real friends. Like, and this is what it's kind of talking about is this idea of multiple surface level unreliable friends in which they can't support the weight of a real relationship. They can't support the weight of hard times so much so that when things do get hard, if I'm relying on that friend, I'm going to fall right through. They can't support me. They're unreliable. If you continue to look at, the Proverbs actually talks a lot about this type of unreliable negative picture of friendship. So I want you to see the negative picture. we got a couple other verses I want to read for you. And just kind of think about these as you think about your friendships. It says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. This idea that friendship, being around friendship can actually not only do, will they hurt you or betray you, but they also tempt you. Says it similarly in Proverbs 22. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. It literally says you got to be careful who you're friends with because if you're friends with certain type of people, they're going to lead you in the wrong direction. They're going to lead you away from God. You're going to find yourself, some of their negative habits that you did not have before, starting to manifest itself in your life. You're going to be like, you know what I'm saying? They don't really care about church. I don't really care about church. They kind of acting wild. Like, I kind of, you know, like, like, this is their humor. Now it's my, like, like, we're affected by the relationships in our life. That's the idea. It says an angry person can also make you angry is the idea, this unreliable friend. But here, here's what I want you to see, that last verse, 18.1. Look, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. Against all sound judgment starts quarrels. The first part, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. Here's the question I want you to really think about. Are you in the friendships you're in for you 
or for the other person? Are you in the friendships you're in for you or the other person? This proverb actually says an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. If we are chiefly in the friendship for what we can get out of it, by definition, that's unfriendly. I don't know if y'all were listening. I'm going to say that one more again. Y'all cool? If you are in the friendship chiefly for what you can get out of it, by definition, it's unfriendly because it's pursuing a selfish end. What's that look like practically? So any of you ever done this? You know what I'm saying? You have dinner with somebody. It's the first time you had dinner with them. Let's just say you're a newlywed. This happens in newlyweds all the time, right? I'm about to read your mail. First time you had dinner with somebody, hung out with them. You get up in the car. What do you think? You know, I'm pretty funny. They were pretty funny. Um, You know, I liked them. They were interesting and interesting things about them, you know. Could we be friends with them? I think we could. What do you think? I think so. That's right. You know, like, like that's, don't act like, you. no, listen, don't act like you hadn't done that. You're like, hey, can we be friends with them? Like, do you ever get in the car and go, do you think we could be good friends to them? Do you think we could be, I think we could serve them well. You know, I think we could, we could love them really well. No, like, that's rarely. We get in there talking about that. A lot of times in our friendships, we're chiefly concerned about what they can do for us. Can I get an Amen. I, I do it. Be chiefly concerned, did they invite me? Do they text me back? Are they concerned with me? And I just wonder if it might be better for us to not be chiefly concerned with even what type of friend they are to us and more concerned with what type of friend we are to them. This proverbial picture of friendship, go back to the 1824, one is negative. One proverbial picture casts it in a negative light, this unreliable friend who's chiefly concerned with self. But then there's this positive proverbial picture of friendship, which is one who is loving, ahav, and loyal, committed, committed to one another. Um, It says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So let me let me just be a little self-revealing uh, to you for a little bit um, <clears throat> about my old view of friendship. So it wasn't but about a year ago, I used to say this, I'd be like, I, I never, I'll never write a book. But if I do write a book, you know how it's how people phrase things, I'll never. But if I do write a book, this is what I think the title should be. The Irrelevancies of Friendship, the Case for Biblical Community. That's what I used to say until I realized friendship was biblical. <laughs> then I was like, oh, this concept's in the Bible, though. And I was like, oh. like, I, And the reason why I was like, this is going to be, I was like, I'm just going to take a shot at friendship because I just always felt like it was so selfish. I just feel like culturally it's portrayed like if I like you, I'm going to hang with you, and if not, I'm not. And I didn't have this godly view of what it is. That, yes, there's unreliable friends, and then if you have them, you'll come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, who's like a lover, who's loyal to you and committed to you, who's connected to you, who, who's willing to be there when times get hard. If you, if you notice the Proverbs, what they are typically doing is they're contrasting ideas. 
Proverbs are almost always contrasting. Here's one way, here's another way. So when it says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, and it says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, it's saying the friend who sticks closer than a brother will provide protection for you so you don't come to ruin. Does that make sense? So this is somebody who's there for you when times are hard. The biblical friendship is this, a friend who's there for you in the season of depression. A friend who's there for you when you're having a crisis of faith. A friend who is there for you when you're struggling with infertility. A friend who is there for you when you've lost a loved one. A friend who's there for you when you are really despising your season of life. A friend who's there for you when you sin against them or they sin against you. A friend who's loyal to you so much so that they are stuck to you closer than family. This is the proverbial picture of friendship. Someone who loves you and is with you. I mean, really, it could almost be defined somebody who's there for you when no one else is. How are your friendships? What kind of friend are you? You take the easy way out, jump out when it gets hard. Are you there? It's funny seeing Sharnice right here. She reminded me that, like with Mally. You remember when he said she ride or die? Because our first apartment was like right up in the ghetto. And she was like, man, she ride or die. And it's like, but that's the idea, right? Like that you're committed. And it's like, I'm going to be next to you when the car goes off the cliff. Like, you can get mad at me, we can fight, and we're going to reconcile. Because this godly portrayal of friendship is love and loyalty. It's love and loyalty. So that's the, that's the picture. But I want to talk to you about the purpose of friendship. I want to talk to you about the purpose of friendship, okay? Here's the, let me ask this question. Any of y'all ever watch the show Cheers? Let me get for real hands. Okay, I think we're a little bit better than the last service, so I feel good about this. Y'all remember the theme song? Thank you, Charity. No, I don't have to do it. Yeah, see, okay. Where everybody knows your name, where they're always glad you came. Our troubles are all the same. So, like, cheers. Those of you who don't know, I don't really know either. I've actually never watched the show, but I watched the theme song for this sermon. (laughs) So, like... But, like, the, the, the theme song, that idea, and it's, like, Cheers is, like, in a, in a bar, and the idea, I think, is, like, you go to the bar, and, like, you're hanging out, and, it, and the theme song at least portrays it like you're escaping the pressures of life, and you're just hanging out. We, man, everybody knows my name here, and our troubles are basically the same because we're kind of forgetting about everything, and we just, we're glad we're here. It's almost like an escapism. Can I tell you something? That is not a biblical portrayal of friendship. A friendship is not just about, I'm not saying it doesn't have laughter and jokes and fun. It should have that. There should be deep relational intimacy. But it's not just about, hey, come and I'm going to come and like, woo, just going to be, going to hang out, going to escape reality. I should just be having fun with you because we're friends. Look at what it says in Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Does that sound like escapism? Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
I love how Tony Evans has commentary on this verse, and he just says, uh, uh, a genuine friend will never absolve you of the evil you do. Like, a genuine friend will be there for you, committed to you, loving you, and going to tell you the truth. And going to speak, literally it says, a friend wounds, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I couldn't help thinking about the way our Savior was betrayed when I thought about this verse. How Judas, one of the 12 disciples of, of Jesus, concealed his intentions and walked up to our Savior and Lord, kissed him as a way to hand him over to Roman rule to be crucified. And in the same way, if we just multiply kisses to the relationships in our life without speaking truth to them, this proverb would say we're enemies. So a question is, if you just have people who are saying nice things to you around you that you call friends, it might be that they're your enemies and not your friends. If you never give constructive constructive feedback to your friends, it might be that you're their enemy and not their friend, according to this verse. Look at the next one, 2717. As iron sharpens iron, so one person, that word is reha, that's translated friend in other places, one friend sharpens one another. The idea is strength to strength. The idea is a friendship whom, whom is, who's refining you, who's growing you, whom you're, cha- like you're committed to them, they love you, you love them, and you're changing because of it. You're not the same in part because of the friendship. It's strength to strength, right? Like, like, like it's iron to iron. That's different than like jello to jello. You know what I'm saying? Like jello don't sharpen jello. Fat don't sharpen fat. Pillow, two pillows don't sharpen each other. It might be fun, pillow fight, you know, like, but they don't do nothing. And also, here's another thing. Iron don't sharpen a pillow, does it? It just cuts through that pillow. Feathers everywhere. So it might be that someone isn't willing to give us feedback. Why? Because they perceive us or we are like a pillow. Or maybe the same for you and somebody who needs to receive feedback. But here's what I want to say as we think about relationships, what would it look like to cultivate this in our friendships? To cultivate a place where we are literally wounding each other for our good. In love, speaking truth in hopes that that would help the person grow to look more like Christ. The purpose of friendship is refinement. It's change. Like it's not fun, it is refinement. It's not selfishness, it's sanctification. It's not comfort, it's perfection. It is growth. Like that is the perfect of, the, the, the purpose of it. But let me speak to me for a second. This is not a license to kill. <laughs> uh, gold bond, or not gold bond. <laughs> Stay on the notes, Will. I was trying to say um, James Bond, Golden Eye. Golden Eye, Nintendo 64. <clears throat> this is this not it's not a license to kill. It's not like you can just go up now and you got a license to be able to say I'm gonna say whatever I want. But good, Pat said I can speak truth, so here you go. 
Swords can attack swords, right? Like, like you can try to break it. We're talking about a sharpening that's in love towards growth. So our intention is, is, it matters so deeply. But it is important to think about, like, literally, is there somebody whom God might have a word for through you? I don't know if you're like me, but I hang out with sinners. So that means the answer is probably yes. And I don't know about you like me. I am a sinner, so I probably need somebody speaking in my life too. One way to cultivate it is this, is literally going, you go, someone might perceive me as a pillow or something else. So maybe I need to start asking my friendships to speak into my life. You know what I mean? Like just be like, hey, will you give me feedback? And, and you cultivate in them this iron sharpening iron, this wounds from a friend, you know what I mean? Like you're asking them, you're inviting it, you're anticipating it, and you're considering it and you're praying about it. Like this is essential, right? So, so here's what we got, this proverbial picture and purpose of friendship is this. A friend in the Proverbs is a loving, loyal refiner. The, the Proverbs depict friendship as, lo- as, a, as a lover, again, that word is translated, that word could be lover, to love. Like, like you're, you have an intimate connection to them. I'm not saying one you chose. Like, again, it moves, it really moves beyond the idea of preference and choice to love and loyalty. So it's moving beyond that idea to just like I pick and don't pick towards now I'm committed and realize this is who God's put in my life. And so now we're bound together in a way. So, but this idea of intimacy that's loyal, that's there for them even when times are hard, there for them even when I'm frustrated at them. Even when they sin against me, I'm there for them. Because I'm loyal to them. But a refiner, recognizing this, that friendship's not just about being together, but a true proverbial biblical friendship will It'll rub off the dull edges, we'll rub off the dull edges of each other. Like, just by being together. Now, if we were to think, like I could, that this idea of friendship is just in the Proverbs, let's look at the perfect friend in John 15. The perfect friend. These are Jesus' words, all right? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends. For everything that I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in the name of the Father will be given to you. This is my command to love each other. Can I tell you about the perfect friend? You got to love this passage. Because it says that no longer are we just servants of God, but we are friends of Jesus. Amen? That that he is not just a master or a dictator in the sky, but he has come down in the person of Jesus Christ, and now we can know him. Now we have relationship. 
with the God Almighty, the all-powerful being of the, the universe, who, who is righteous and just, yet at the same time is our friend. Isn't that loving? Greater love has no one than this, than he who would lay down his life for his friends. He's proven to us that he's a friend whom loves us, for he has died for us. He's our friend who's loving. But guess what? He's also loyal. I love this part of the text. If you look at it, verse 16, he's like, in case you think in your wisdom and intelligence you had a scheme in which you knew what God would be like and you would pick me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. You did not choose me, I chose you. And here's what it says in John chapter 6, those the Father has given Jesus, he will lose none of them. When God's chosen you, there is no unchoosing. What it says in Romans chapter 8 is this, that we cannot be separated from the love of Christ. So not only is he loving, but he's loyal. He's committed. He's in it with you. He is right. The God of the universe is right or die. That's good. But not only that, he is a refiner God. He's a refiner God. So if you notice this text, it is a very powerful, interesting part. We would most naturally divide the difference between servant and friend at obedience, wouldn't we? A servant has to obey, a friend doesn't. That's not what it does here. Look at verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. Since friends do obey, they do follow the commands of God. What is the dividing line according to Jesus between servant and friend? Notice in verse 15. It's revelation. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends because everything I learned from the Father I have made known to you. You see, he divides it at knowledge, at revelation. Here's what I'm trying to say. A, a master will say, just obey me because I'm master. God did something different. He came in the form of a man. He condescended so low that he could come to us. And now we can know the Father's will because we know our friend Jesus. It's revelation. Now we know how to obey because we know the one to whom we obey. We have relationship with him. And so now obedience flows from relationship, flows from joy, and flows from grace. Because we realize it. It's not that we don't obey, but it's that we know it. I've made known to you. He says, and from that knowledge, he refines. Look at verse 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Here is the truth, family. You cannot, you cannot, it is impossible to be in relationship with the loving, loyal, refiner God and not change. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website at www.thegracecity.com to explore all of the ways that you can give, connect, and engage. Thank you again for being with us. Now go live as image bearers of the King.